Our second scripture reading today comes to us on this fourth Sunday in the season of Advent from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Listen for God's word to you today. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are here on this fourth Sunday in the season of Advent, and the good news is that Christmas is just around the corner. I don't know about you and yours, but my kids and those around my neighborhood are very excited for this day, right? We know this. Um, in fact, they can hardly wait, but I'm sorry to tell them they have to because there's nothing you can do to speed up time or make that day arrive any sooner or quicker. Sorry, kids. In fact, Advent season, this uh, time in the church calendar year that we are in right now, is all about waiting. We wait and watch for the coming of Christ. We wait to prepare our hearts for what God will do. We wait to allow God be the one, be the one to get it done, to make it happen, to come through again, rather than, a, than trying to rely on our own cleverness, our own power, our own skill. We wait and we receive the grace that God has for us in this time. But if we're honest, we probably don't like to wait very much, do we? I sure don't. Anybody here like to wait in line at the DMV? <laughs> Anybody like sitting in traffic and waiting that way? Anybody like waiting in those lines to get through security at the airport? I don't think so. I heard recently from somebody who went to the emergency room because they were in great pain, excruciating pain. They couldn't take it anymore, so they went to the hospital to the emergency room. When they got there, they waited. It turned out that even though it has the word emergency in, the room, in its name, the ER is more of a waiting room than anything else. Doctors are doing their best. They are working hard, patient after patient, but they can only do it one at a time. So this friend who went to the ER said that they waited for hours, and, and all they got was Tylenol, and in the end, they gave up and went home. They got so tired of waiting. We don't like to wait. And here in the Advent season, we're in a time that we could be described as holy waiting. The image for this time from the Bible is that of a pregnant woman who's waiting to give birth. And I see one here today. And this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, that the Bible is talking about. And God has revealed something amazing to her. And her faithfulness and her obedience is on display as she waits for this child to be born it's the same time that we're in right now. We're waiting for the Christ child, the one who comes to us at Christmas. Pregnancy is like that. It involves a lot of waiting as a miraculous thing is about to happen. But in the Bible story, the one we just read today, there's a twist, something you might not remember. Mary has a relative, a cousin, a kinswoman, and her name was Elizabeth, and she was also pregnant at the same time as Mary, pregnant with a child who would be named John the Baptist, right? 
So these two women are in a season of waiting and patient because they're pregnant, but apparently they weren't on bed rest or anything like that because Mary set out, it says, with haste, and she went to visit her cousin in the hill country of Judea. So this is about 90 miles away, 90 miles and they didn't have cars back then. There's no mention of a donkey that comes in the later story of Christmas. And it doesn't say that Mary traveled with anybody else, although likely she traveled as part of a caravan that went down into that hill country. This was during the first trimester of Mary's pregnancy, so maybe she had morning sickness. Maybe she wasn't feeling so good. I don't think she was feeling her best as she set out to walk 90 miles to, from her hometown in Nazareth into the Judean hills. So what I want to talk about with you today and think about with you is this. Why is it that Mary took this trip? Why did she go with haste, hurrying in this time of waiting, hurrying during her pregnancy rather than waiting and not going anywhere? I think this story might help us a little bit because we're also in this time of holy waiting here in Advent but there's also such a thing as holy hurry, and I want to set those two ideas together, holy waiting and holy hurry. What, what do those look like? Let's play it out a little bit. Let's just talk it through. Why does Mary go with haste to visit her cousin? The obvious reason, the first reason, is probably that they're both pregnant at the same time, and they're relatives, and they're, maybe they're friends. Mary was this young, teenage, unwed, pregnant girl. Maybe she goes to visit Elizabeth, the older and wiser relative, to get some good advice, you know, to find out what's a pregnancy going to be like. Give me some idea of what's ahead, older and wiser woman in my life. But the only problem is that Elizabeth has never been pregnant before either. This is her first pregnancy, too. And so the story of Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, an older couple who had prayed for a miracle in their lives and laid in their life, they're blessed by God with this child. It parallels Abraham and Sarah's story in the, in the Hebrew scriptures. They also have this late-in-life pregnancy, so Elizabeth doesn't know any more about it than Mary does. This was not a trip to get guidance or advice from someone who has done this before. Maybe, here's an idea, maybe Mary is going on what they call a baby moon. Have you heard of a baby moon? Oh, yes. So instead of a honeymoon, where after you, know, you get married, you go and celebrate somewhere, this is a, a baby moon is a last chance for a couple who are pregnant to get away together, to go on a vacation or a trip somewhere just to relax before the baby comes and changes their life forever. I changed it from ruins their life. I put it to changes their life forever. <laughs> Make it positive for the people. The babies, babies change things. We know this. So um, when, when my wife Lisa uh, was pregnant with Theo one time, we took a trip together. I guess it was a baby moon. We didn't mean it to be one. We went to Portugal. We went to Lisbon. And I had always wanted to go, and we had, I thought we were going to have a great time. Um, but, you know, as a pregnant woman walking all over Lisbon, <laughs> Portugal, a lot of hills, up and down, on your feet all day, not being able to eat or drink anything that you really want, it was not one of Lisa's favorite trips, I'm sorry to say. Didn't work out. But I don't think in this story that Mary is on a baby moon. I don't think that's what's happening here. First of all, there's no mention of Joseph. Okay. Um, secondly, a 90-mile journey by foot is not anybody's idea of a good time, except maybe Stephen Jane Fainer. They like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. So no, this was not a joyride. This was not a baby moon. 
I want to give you my best guess as to why, why Mary moved with haste to go and see her cousin Elizabeth. It's because both women were experiencing a miracle. Both women were experiencing the miraculous action, activity, presence, power of God in their lives. And she didn't want to miss her chance, even in that season, to talk about it, share about it, laugh and cry together about what God was up to in each of their lives. We notice in the story the way that Mary and Elizabeth are set in in miraculous parallel to each other. Elizabeth is this older woman, barren her whole life. She had prayed for a miracle from God, and finally her prayers are answered. The angel announced this pregnancy. The child will be born, will be special, and will be used by God. A name was given to the father. His name will be John, and it's a blessing in her life. And then set in parallel to the story of Elizabeth, right next to it is the story of Mary, this younger woman, actually not a woman at all, 12 or 13 years old, a girl. And she had not prayed for this miracle. In fact, she didn't know much about it at all, except that an angel came and announced it and said that this child would be special, would be used by God, and a name was given, Jesus, which means he saves his people. And it was a blessing in her life, too. So here's this key idea that I want to give to you today. It's that there's a relationship between holy waiting and holy hurry. Mary is in a time of waiting for this child to be born, but she's also in a time of hurry, hurrying to share in the good news of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you today as you wait and watch for Christmas to come, as you faithfully practice holy waiting, not to miss the chance for some holy hurry too. I went for a walk this last week in my neighborhood in the evening one night um, with my son Theo and his, and his friend Cam. And um, this was after my sermon last week where I said, take a walk in your neighborhood with your kids and look at the lights. And I try to practice with what I preach. Um, and so we did. And we walked over to, um, to a street nearby where there's, they had a house with Christmas lights set up. And I'll show you a picture of it. They had all kinds of Christmas lights it was amazing. They had the Grinch who stole Christmas, Santa Claus up on his roof with his reindeer. They had the front yard covered in like fake snow, which the kids loved. Theo was doing fake snow angels in it or something like that. There was a soundtrack of Christmas music. There was even a countdown clock, like a, like a shot clock, counting down the days until Christmas. And then a couple doors down from this, um, you know, sort of overwhelming display of Christmas joy, um, and in the front yard of another house, there was this little simple nativity scene. And it was a lit up nativity scene, glowing bright. And I showed a picture of Theo in my weekly email to you. I already, you've already seen it. Of Theo kind of getting close there with, with Mary and with the baby Jesus. And I sent this picture, this exact picture, out onto the family text stream. And my sister, who is, who is here visiting today, although she's out of the room because she heard I would be talking about her, um, <laughs> and who loves it when I use her stories in sermons, um, she wrote back to the family text after I said, here's Theo out on a walk. Baby, she said this, does baby Jesus always arrive before Christmas where you're from? <laughs> there should be no baby Jesus. It's only December 14th. And in a way, I guess she has a point. You know, this is a time of Advent. It's holy waiting. We are meant to wait for the arrival of Jesus to prepare ourselves for that joy-filled day. But in this story from the Bible, we see something a little bit different. 
We see Mary who's waiting for Jesus to come and yet does not miss the chance to celebrate the miracle in her life. She does not miss the chance to celebrate the miracle of what God is doing, even right now, even in a time of waiting, when things aren't quite there yet. She does not wait to tell her cousin all about what God is doing. She does not wait to listen to the story of her cousin, Elizabeth, who has her story to share as well. Mary is in a holy hurry. She goes with haste to the hill country of Judea, not to get good advice, not on a baby moon joy ride, but she hurries to share the good news of God. A couple of years back, Pope Francis was talking about this same idea. I think he got it from me. And he said this. He said, if only we would be infected with this holy hurry to go out and walk the paths of our age with the gospel in our hands and the spirit in our hearts. If only we'd all be infected with that same sense of holy hurry. Like Mary. She's in a hurry to share the good news. So, church, I want to give you a word today. Be in a holy hurry this year. Be in a holy hurry for justice. Be in a holy hurry to help someone in need. Be in a holy hurry to forgive. Be in a holy hurry to pray. Be in a holy hurry to share about the miracles in your life, whether they're big or small. Don't keep them to yourselves. Be in a holy hurry. Be in a holy hurry to welcome a neighbor, especially someone who has a different background than you. Be in a holy hurry to listen to somebody with compassion, to seek the good in what they're trying to say. This probably means you need to turn off some of your cable news, which is designed to divide us. I want to be in a holy hurry to listen to others without that kind of a filter over what we're talking about. Be in a holy hurry for peace, Hope, joy, and love, the four um, attributes represented by our candles on the Advent wreath. Today is that Love Sunday. On the way in, maybe you saw our big banner out front. It says, you are loved. It's a message of God for you, a message of God for us. So we wait right now. We're in a time of waiting for that calendar to turn, December 25, Christmas. But while we wait, we can also go with haste toward God's love, and to show that love to others. So I want to close today by sharing with you one more more thing. Uh, This is something that my dad sent me recently in an email, um, and it's it's from the famous love passage in 1 Corinthians 13. You know that love passage? Love is patient, love is kind, all the rest of it. You know it from a a wedding, maybe your own wedding. But this time, 1 Corinthians 13 is, is, is taken and changed to be Christmas style. 1 Corinthians Christmas style. Listen and see if God has a word for you in it today. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but do not show love, I am just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table for mealtime, but do not show love, I'm just another cook. If I work in the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity but do not show love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties, and sing in the choir's cantata but not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. 
Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but not that much. <laughs> Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way. Love doesn't, only, doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure. Sorry, looking at some golfers as I say that. This Christmas, this Christmas, as we practice holy waiting for Jesus who is coming into our world, we do it full of faith, knowing that he will come. The day is almost here. And this Christmas, may we practice holy hurry, making haste to show and see the things of God in the people around us. The big day of God's love for us and God's love for others is already here. So may you receive it and live it again today. Amen.